Well, Merry Christmas, uh, everyone. It's hard to believe that the season is uh, already here this week. I don't know about you, but it seems to creep up faster and faster uh, every year. And I look forward to Christmas. I'm sure most of us do. Christmas is a special time of glad tidings, uh, peace uh, on earth, uh, goodwill towards men. People tend to be in festive spirits. People tend to be generous and just kind of all around excited about this Christmas season. But I got to tell you, there's something that makes me kind of sad when I think about this Christmas season. And it's this, that even though Christmas is about Jesus Christ and his coming and the familiar story in the gospel that we're familiar with, you know, a lot of Christmas tends to become less and less uh, about Jesus, you know, because of the distractions that we've talked so much about in the service uh, already. It comes about the, the decorations, the gifts, the lights, uh, all of the family traditions uh, and such. And it seems that so many people celebrate Christmas, yet they don't actually celebrate the Christ part of Christmas, right? How many people do you know who actually don't worship Jesus in your life? There's a lot of people in your life who don't worship Jesus, but do they celebrate Christmas? Oh, absolutely. And that's kind of a sad fact that's growing more accustomed in so many different families and such a familiar tradition for so many people. Yeah, there's enough to celebrate because of the, the, the distractions, the trees, the lights, and such. But we can forget to celebrate the holiday's namesake, Christ, right? And that's sad. Imagine going to a, Christ, uh, a birthday party. Imagine that you're going to a birthday party where a majority of the people in attendance who are celebrating, having a good time, and the people completely ignore the birthday boy and just kind of celebrate the party itself. Imagine if you're at a birthday party and you know whose birthday it is, and I come up to you and I go, hey, whose shindig is this anyway? Well, whatever, I'm having a good time, right? What would you, wouldn't you be sad? Wouldn't you be like, what are you doing here? What are you celebrating? You don't even know the guy. And that's this sad quality of a Christmas without Christ. And really, Jaron started to get to it in our communion meditation, really the disappointment doesn't end there. For them, for this Christmas season, it comes and it goes. And then they're going to be right back to a Jesusless life. Right back to a life that does not have a Savior in it does not have a symbol of hope in it. Where you and I, who understand Christ, are able to continually celebrate not only Jesus' arrival, but also his triumph and the fruit of his victory. Many celebrate Christmas as a season of peace and goodwill and hope, but they do so in vain when they miss out on Christ as the foundation of these joyous virtues now, for the past few weeks, we've been working out of Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 through 7. Since Thanksgiving, we've been working, just for a few weeks, we've been working uh, out of this familiar passage that I've asked everybody to commit to memory. It's a short passage, not only because these two verses serve as our core text, but because they hold such a constant application in our lives. If you read through Philippians 4, 6 through 7, which we're going to do, you'll see that it has so much room for universal application on a day-to-day -day basis, worthy of committing to our heart and to our mind. 
And this has carried us from Thanksgiving to now, just before Christmas. Now, elements of this scripture, they embody the spirit of these two holidays, Thanksgiving and Christmas. And so before we conclude this series, you're going to see how that this one, these couple of verses really captivate all of Thanksgiving and Christmas together. So in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 through 7, it says there, do, uh, oh, let's go back one more. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In our first week after celebrating Thanksgiving, we talked about the equation that this passage has that seems to unfold in these words. We are commanded, apparently, to be thankful in this Philippians uh, chapter 4, verse 6 through 7. We are commanded, apparently, to be thankful even before we ask. You see here uh, on the fourth line of this page here, with thanksgiving. We're supposed to be thankful even before we offer the petition and request and get the things that we ask of God. We're commanded to be thankful before it. Now last week we talked about another part of the equation where we would go to God with everything because He is the only constant in this life. And that constant, that alpha and omega quality, that beginning and the end part of God is the only thing that can truly offer security and comfort in this life because everything in this world that you would put comfort and security in eventually fades. Even in our spouses, in our families, in our savings accounts, in our homes, in all the things that we try to surround ourselves with, security and comfort, it all fades. And the only thing that you can truly, really rely on is the constant Alpha and Omega God, who is always there. And that's why Paul, in this command, tells us, go to God in every situation, in anything, go to Him. Now this week, we're going to focus on verse 7 and the solution that the equation of verse 6 presents to us. There's this very special connecting words that I need us to pay attention to. They're very simple. Nothing special about them. No Greek uh, education needed to swallow these words and the, <laughs> very simple, very important words, and the is an important combination. And the is an important connection between verse 6 and 7. Because verse 6 is a pretty big setup. It says there, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with giving, present your requests to God. And the, and then here comes the promise. That verse 6 offers a lot. We're not supposed to be anxious about anything. You want to get rid of anxiety? You want to get rid of stress? You want to get rid of worry? You want to have every situation taken care of? Want to be so sure of that, that these issues will be addressed by God, that you can be thankful even before you ask? That seems like a really big wind-up in verse 6. It's setting up this really big promise if you go to God with your concerns, your prayers, your petitions, apparently the answer that you're going to receive is the peace of God. And the peace of God is what you're going to get. So you offer up all these different things. Now, I don't know about you, but this might seem like a little short-changed, right? If verse 6 is this really big promise, you don't have to be anxious about anything. 
You don't have to worry about a thing. In fact, you can be thankful right away. That's a lot of promise. And then you're blessed with the peace of God. But there's so many different things that I can ask for in life, right? How is the peace of God supposed to cover all those things? Like if I need a lunch, for example, or if I need a ride, or if I need rent, or my leg is broken, or if I'm gravely ill, or if I lose my job, or if my spouse is leaving me. God, is supposed to ju- I'm supposed to just trust that he's going to snap his divine fingers and it's all supposed to be fixed with the peace of God? Why wouldn't God simply bless me with the exact solution to my problem, right? He's infinitely wise. He's infinitely capable. Why doesn't he just snap and give me lunch? Why doesn't he just give me cash in my pocket? Why doesn't he just change my spouse's heart? Why doesn't he just snap and give me healing? Why doesn't he just snap and give me some money in my hand? Why doesn't he snap and just give me some direct deposit? Kind of a theme here. Yes, thank you. <laughs> for example, how much, if, for those of you who've ever heard me before speak, how much do I complain about traffic? This comes up every, every week. How much do I complain about this? If I offer that up to God, is God going to all of a sudden fix traffic? Is this a snap of the divine fingers that he's going to have to make every day for me? Does that make sense? Or does God, in his divine wisdom, understand the common denominator in all of our human problems, which is us? We, we are the problem. The problems of this world, they're not going to go away because they are inherently tied to the brokenness of this existence, tied to the brokenness of this world. No better illustrated than a parking lot in winter. When you park, have you, you guys been to Target or, or to the mall? And you go to park, right? And you end up parking crooked. Why? Because the cars who are there ahead of you are a little askew also. And you just kind of think, man, what a bozo, right? The lines are right there. Why is he so crooked like that? So you squeeze in and you try to get as straight as you can, but you can't quite make it. What happens after you go into the store? Those two bozos, they leave. The next guy rolls up. Now all of a sudden, what? Who's the bozo? Because you're sitting there crooked, right? That's kind of the way of this world. That's the way that the brokenness has really penetrated everything. Even though you're not trying to park crooked, even though you're trying your best, sorry. World's broken. And God's not going to be snapping every, 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 every time that you need fixing. It's not going to ever stop snapping. If if you're just waiting for God to fix that next thing, and then the next thing, and then the next thing. So instead of fixing everything around us all the time, the promise of peace, the peace of God in us is given. That promise is given to us to endure the crookedness to endure the brokenness, to endure the hardships that this world is going to happen, is going to have, to endure the anxiety-inducing scenarios that are part, a part of this mortal existence. For the people around us who aren't believers, seeing peace in us, if we are blessed with this peace inside of us, 
The people around us may not be able to understand. How can you be peaceful? How can you be peaceful when things go wrong? If you possess this God-given peace in the need a lunch, I need a ride, my spouse is leaving me, my health is failing, I lost my job situation. If you are able to rely on that peace of God and display it to the people around you, truth is it's not gonna make sense. This happens to me all the time with Miriam in particular. My wife Miriam has a better handle on this concept of peace than I do. She tends to be more at peace uh, almost always. And there are times that when she displays this peace that I really, I don't get it. Sometimes I get mad for her. Like when Miriam's in the car driving with me and she's driving along and someone will just egregiously cut into us, just about knocking us out of our lane. And then I'll look over at Miriam's face and she's just, you know, and she just keeps going, no problem. And here I am so offended that Miriam has to fight my arm off from reaching over and honking the horn for her. But Miriam's able to have this peace on her. And I'm literally asking this. This is not a made-up scenario for this message. I'm literally asking Miriam, why aren't you mad? <laughs> why aren't you upset? That guy's a maniac. He's crazy. He could have run us off the road. And Miriam just says, well, no reason getting mad about it. No reason getting upset over it. And here I'm like, ah, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> why would you do, why, how could you keep your calm like that? It doesn't make sense. There are other times that I know that I'm bothered by something, but I also can trust and rely on God because I know he's got a better grip on what's happening in my life than I do. Times when my mind races or my heart is unsettled, but in prayer, peace is instilled and my mind and heart are guarded against the anxiety of the world and they are guarded by Christ himself. I think only Christ is able to create that transcendent kind of peace inside of us. And there's this important factor where we see in this passage, Philippians 4, 6 through 7, there's this really important part that plays the most important role in bringing us to this Christmas season. Paul tells us this, that our hearts would be guarded that our minds will be guarded, guarded also in Christ Jesus. The passage that Philippians 4, 6 through 7, it's truth, it's universal application of removing anxiety and blessing us with the peace of God. The truth is it, is all, it all hinges and all of it is dependent on Jesus himself, on Christ himself. Paul roots all of the passage in Christ. During the Christmas season, there's this common expression of peace on earth and goodwill towards men, right? Are we familiar with that terminology? Which is a really happy, awesome concept. Perhaps, really, it's even the foundation of the good spirits that most people live in during this holiday season. However, I gotta tell you a truth. This concept is based on bad scriptural translation. Believe it or not, it's translated bad. Because if you read in Luke chapter 2, verse 14 of the KJV, it says there this, word for word, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, 
and goodwill towards men. Apparently, from the Aramaic to the Greek to the Latin to the English, a little something is lost in this Luke 2.14 KJV. Because the way it more realistically reads in a more literal translation in the ESV, we read instead this, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Whoa. There's kind of a big difference here. This is not a general sense of peace towards all men. There's an important distinction here. In a more literal translation of the heavenly chorus sung by these angels, it is those who are pleasing, those who please God. It is those who are pleasing, not perfect. They're not perfect, but those who please God, they are the ones who will have peace. There's a qualifier here. Those who please God, they are the ones who will have a peace. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, And without faith, our author writes, And without faith it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. This is pleasing to God. Now, I don't mean to just hop around. I'm not trying to use these texts as proof of what I'm trying to say. But there is this common understanding that by pursuing God, by seeking him, seeking Christ out, this is a quality that pleases him. Which makes sense, because the heavenly chorus sings about the triumphal entry of Jesus, the Christ, and they testify to who he is, to the shepherds below. They are sending an evangelistic message to the listeners. The peace of God will be found by those who seek Christ, who pursue to know him. This is the truth that Paul is building on in Philippians chapter 4, that Christ stands over his mind and heart and is responsible for his security. Now, Paul, specifically our author, Paul would have had an interesting and contrasting view of guardianship as he is constantly himself guarded. He is constantly accompanied by enemy guard, sure. But there's this added layer of understanding that Paul's constant companion and the guard of his mind and his heart is Jesus. Again, our author, Paul, if you're just catching on, uh, in this series, he is writing this letter to the church in Philippi from a prison cell, from death row, where guards are constantly surrounding him. And so to him, to use this language, guardianship, again, it's this added layer of how important Christ is as someone who watches over him constantly. The utility of this scripture is unlocked by Christ Without Christ, there is no peace. Without Christ, there is no peace. There is no goodwill towards men. There is no hope. There is no next world. Only the fleeting, crumbling world around us. The parking lot where lines don't matter and your space can be infringed upon at any moment. That's all we got if there's no Christ. Peace, hope, and goodwill are blessings upon those who turn to God. 
through Christ. In John chapter 1, verse 9 through 12, it says there, oh, did I skip? Here we go. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. The season of peace and goodwill is not over when the trees and the decorations come down. The season of peace. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we're over with the, with the program and all. Yeah, right. The season of peace and goodwill is not over when the trees and the decorations come down. You and me, believers in Christ, we get to live in this perpetual state, in this peace of God. It's actually a really interesting turn of phrase that Paul is using to describe this peace of God. Under Roman rule, there's this decree. I'd maybe Here's a Jeopardy question. Does anybody know what this contrasting thought that Paul is sharing with his readers in Philippi? This Pax Dei. The contrasting view is this Pax Romana. It was this, this peace of Rome. Because at this time, that Israel is occupied, right, by Rome. And we know that there's this aspect of Rome that says, at all costs, the peace of Rome is there. And Paul gets to write, instead of this peace of Rome that he knows is crumbling, that it's not something that's reliable, that's something that will wane and go away. In contrast, he says, instead, we have the peace of God, this Pax Dei peace of God to contrast this fallen and broken system. Yeah, I think fundamentally this truth underscores that God's kingdom is unending and that we, when we accept the true light of Jesus Christ, when we seek to pursue, understand him more, to bask in the light of that peace that's written about here in John chapter 1, I think that we, being adopted of these children, get to bask in that peace instead of the anxiety, instead of the crumbling and brokenness of this world, and that we'll always have that. And so you and me, grounded in the truth of Christ, we are the only ones who can truly and really, really, really say, Merry Christmas. We are the only ones who really get that. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Father, you know, Lord, I, I pray for forgiveness when I and we sometimes forget the reason that we are gathered, not only on a Saturday evening service, not simply just to worship you, but even in this Christmas season. I pray for forgiveness when we allow the distractions of this world to pull away meaning. I pray, Lord, that we here would never be those people at the birthday party uh, who don't even know what we're celebrating. Instead, Father, I, I pray that the foundation of the truth, your son's death and resurrection, 
uh, him as your son, I pray that that truth would permeate in us so that the light that shines in him would reflect off of us so that we would be able to show to others that true meaning uh, of Christmas, the true meaning of your son, Jesus, that this isn't something just to celebrate. It's not a fad that comes and goes. Instead, Father, that we who are promised this peace of God in the face of the anxiety and brokenness of this world, I pray, Lord, that through that peace, we'd be able to show others the way to your son, Jesus. Uh, Father, for those of us here who have yet to take grasp of that, uh, who call on Jesus' name, we know who it is, but have unfortunately not been able to receive that peace. Uh, Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would wedge its way in deep into our hearts, soften it up uh, in such a way that we would be able to seek and turn and do something even quasi-pleasing to you. Thank you, Lord, uh, for the season. Uh, I pray a thanksgiving that it never ends with those who call themselves sons and daughters of God. I pray these things in your Holy Son's name. Amen.